PETCO2 equals capnometry. Capnometry is a non-invasive monitoring technique which allows for fast and reliable insight into ventilation, circulation, and metabolism. In the pre-hospital setting, it is mainly used to confirm correct tracheal tube placement. In addition, it is a useful indicator of efficient ongoing cardiopulmonary resuscitation due to its correlation with cardiac output and, and successful resuscitation. It helps to confirm the diagnosis of pulmonary thromboembolism and to sustain adequate ventilation in mechanically ventilated patients. In patients with hemorrhage, capnometry provides improved continuous hemodynamic monitoring insight into the adequacy of tissue perfusion, optimization within current hypotensive fluid resuscitation strategy, and prevention of shock progression through controlled fluid administration. Managing the critically ill patient is one of the most challenging aspects of pre-hospital emergency care. The nature of work in such circumstances demands methods which rapidly recognize patients at risk. Capnometry as a non-invasive method offers fast and reliable insight into certain pathophysiological processes and aids in the clinical evaluation of critically ill patients, especially those in cardiac arrest and requiring cardiopulmonary resuscitation, and assists in the monitoring of patients after endotracheal intubation and mechanical ventilation. For many years, aggressive fluid resuscitation has been a mainstay in the early treatment of patients in hemorrhagic shock. But in recent years, hypotensive fluid resuscitation before surgical repair of uncontrolled thoraco-abdominal hemorrhage has, has proven to be superior over aggressive fluid resuscitation. Methods like capnometry could allow better additional discrimination between therapeutic demands, leading to more precise fluid resuscitation in the pre-hospital setting. In fact, changes in entitled carbon dioxide pressure, PETCO2, properly reflect circulatory compromise and help in timely recognition of patients at risk. Basic Physiology of Carbon Dioxide and Entitled Carbon Dioxide Measurements Carbon dioxide is the product of cellular aerobic metabolism. It diffuses easily from cells into the blood and urethrocytes and is transported to the lungs by the venous blood through the function of cardiac output. Under normal conditions of circulation and ventilation in the partial pressure of CO2 approaches 50 millimeters of mercury at the, at the level of the tissues and 45 millimeters of mercury in the venous blood. The difference between the latter and the alveolar CO2 partial pressure, which is around 40 millimeters of mercury, is responsible for diffusion of CO2 in the alveoli. There, CO2 is eliminated from the body with minute ventilation. Arterial CO2 pressure normally varies between 35 to 45 millimeters of mercury. Although approximately 7% of CO2 is dissolved in blood, the rest diffuses into urethrocytes where 23% of the CO2 reversely bonds to hemoglobin and the rest forms carbonic acid with water after carbonic anhydrase mediated in enzymatic reaction. Carbon acid dissolves into hydrogen and bicarbonate ion. The former is buffered by deoxygenated hemoglobin in tissues and the latter can be exchanged with plasma chloride ions in lung capillaries. These, these reactions are reversed. Bicarbonate enters urethrocytes, binds to hydrogen ions recently released from oxygenated hemoglobin, and dissolves into CO2 and water. What can you figure out with entitled CO2? Return of spontaneous circulation. Establishing cardiac output with CPR reestablishes CO2 transport and causes alveolar CO2 tension to increase, which ultimately results in increased entitled CO2 values. But cardiac output produced by closed chest compression is only a fraction of normal cardiac output, so entitled CO2 values are usually normal, lower than normal. 
Return of spontaneous circulation is indicated by a rapid increase in entitled CO2 since normal or near normal cardiac output increases alveolar and therefore entitled CO2 partial pressure. However, initial and final values of entitled CO2 less than 10 millimeters of mercury during CPR proved to be to predict mortality, which makes capnometry also an important tool in the prognostication of cardiac resuscitation. Capnometry and CPR thus provides information about efficacy of chest compressions, return of spontaneous circulation, and prognosis of outcome after cardiac arrest. Capnometry can also differentiate and in, in asphyxic from primary cardiac arrest, detect waning neuromuscular blockade, and serves as an additional diagnostic tool in pulmonary thromboembolism. In patients with asphyxia, as the case of cardiac arrest, Initial entitled CO2 values after endotracheal intubation are much higher than in patients with primary, uh, with primary cardiac arrest due to ventricular fibrillation or ventricular tachycardia. Asphyxial cardiac arrest leads to continued cellular production of CO2 and continued cardiac output before cardiac arrest and that allows delivery of CO2 to the lungs, which ultimately increases alveolar CO2. This in turn is reflected as high entitled CO2 once ventilation is resumed during CPR. However, the difference in entitled CO2 between primary and secondary cardiac arrest is, to, is no longer present after one minute of CPR. The initial entitled CO2 difference thus serves as a good diagnostic tool for reassuring emergency physicians to take measures appropriate for asphyxial cardiac arrest since the hypoxia is potentially reversible cause of cardiac arrest. In pulmonary thromboembolism, entitled CO2s are characteristically lower than normal because of diminished pulmonary perfusion and increased alveolar dead space, and consequently decreased CO2 elimination capability. Retention of CO2 leads to increased venous carbon dioxide partial pressure and uh, partial pressure of CO2, which ultimately increases arterial entitled CO2 gradient. This helps further in reaching a correct diagnosis, especially in silent pulmonary embolism. In hemorrhage, changes in entitled CO2 reflect hemodynamic changes. This allows not only for prompt recognition of circulatory compromise, but also more precise fluid resuscitation. Capnometry is the only continuous non-invasive mo monitoring method in the pre-hospital setting, which gives indirect information about tissue perfusion through its co uh, correlation with oxygen supply dependency during hemorrhagic shock. It is also of value in predicting outcome from major trauma and trauma surgery where uh, the difference between partial pressure of CO2 and entitled CO2 difference greater than 10 millimeters of mercury can predict mortality even if blood pressure is normalized. Entitled CO2 values can be measured in intubated and non-intubated patients even though hyperventilation can alter measurements. The latter is successfully achieved with a nasal cannula, especially in children. Measurements taken through a face mask are less accurate compared to a nasal cannula because of the increased dead space which decreases the amount of CO2 in expired air. Oxygen supplementation can affect measurement of entitled CO2, but not significantly. However, there are some limitations to the interpretations of, of, of partial pressure of CO2 on the basis of entitled CO2 measurements in critically ill patients. In cardiorespiratory dysfunction, including breathing patterns, which cause incomplete alveolar emptying, and some pharmacological interventions, which are used in treating low flow states, the difference between partial CO2 and entitled CO2, and consequently, entitled um, uh, versus partial pressure of CO2 di difference increases due to ventilatory perfusion mismatch. These limitations do not support entitled CO2 measurements as a substitute for um, partial pressure of CO2 measurements.
Nevertheless, in the pre-hospital setting, it is sudden changes of entitled CO2 that make catenometry an important tool in the early detection of mainly circulatory and ventilatory compromise in the critically ill, and not their relationship between entitled CO2 and partial pressure of CO2. A sudden decrease in entitled CO2 is caused by sudden hypotension, sudden hyperventilation, massive pulmonary edema, occlusion of the endotracheal tube, and disconnection or leakage of the artificial ventilatory system, while decreased CO2 production and hyperventilation cause more gradual decline in entitled CO2. A sudden increase in entitled CO2 is caused by a sudden increase in cardiac output, such as when spontaneous circulation returns after CPR and following an injection of sodium bicarbonate while hypoventilation and increased CO2 production causes more gradual increases in CO2. Therefore, a final interpretation of entitled CO2 must be made after all the parameters which affect measurements have been accounted for, that is, ventilation and circulatory parameters, metabolism, and technical errors. Sublingual capnometry shows great promise for the early recognition of patients at risk for tissue hypoperfusion, hypoxia, and shock progression because it avoids disturbances of measurements caused by hyperventilation. Entitled CO2 as an indicator or as an indicator of hemorrhage and tissue perfusion adequacy. If uncontrolled in uncontrolled hemorrhage, cardiac output and blood pressure decrease in early stages of hemorrhage, cardiac output decreases before changes in blood pressure can be detected. The relationship between cardiac output and entitled CO2, even in low flow states, makes entitled CO2 an indicator of changes in cardiac output. Hemodynamic changes lead to immediate changes in entitled CO2. This makes entitled CO2 a good indicator of early stage hemorrhage due to early detection of changes in cardiac output. According to Fick's principle, cardiac output equals relationship between oxygen consumption and arteriovenous difference in oxygen concentration. De- decreased cardiac output leads to a decreased tissue oxygen consumption. Under physiological conditions, oxygen consumption is, cons- is constant because oxygen supply is greater than its consumption. A critical decrease in oxygen supply makes oxygen consumption supply dependent. This makes the initiation of, of anaerobic metabolism, increased lactate, hypercapnia, and gastric mucosa blood vessels, and increased arteriovenous difference in CO2 partial pressure all indicate tissue hypoperfusion and hypoxia at this point. Constant minute ventilation changes in in entitled CO2 correlate well with the changes in oxygen consumption and hemorrhagic shock. And these changes also indicate the onset of oxygen supply dependency during hemorrhagic shock. Fluid resuscitation increases oxygen consumption due to its increased delivery, which ultimately increases entitled CO2. Capnometry guided fluid resuscitation and uncontrolled hemorrhage. The strategy of fluid resuscitation and hypovolemic shock caused by hemorrhage has been thoroughly debated in recent years. Aggressive fluid resuscitation dilutes clot factors, dislodges uh, formed clots, and leads to further bleeding, especially in parenchymal organ trauma. These factors are associated with increased blood loss and mortality, so that aggressive fluid therapy may be harmful to the patient in uncontrolled thoracoabdominal hemorrhage. However, aggressive fluid resuscitation is still considered appropriate in controllable hemorrhage, head and isolated extremity trauma, and in trauma patients without a palpable pulse. In patients with uncontrolled thoracoabdominal hemorrhage, limited or hypotensive fluid resuscitation avoids detrimental effects of early aggressive resuscitation, decreases mortality, and is currently considered more appropriate for short periods before surgical repair, even at the expense of tissue perfusion. 
Nevertheless, at an early stage of hemorrhage, blood pressure can still be normal, even with substantial blood loss and significant delay of fluid resuscitation based on clinical signs and normal blood pressure measurement alone. Can be determined can be detrimental because of the decreased tissue perfusion and shock progression. Changes in entitled CO2 are an immediate reaction to hemorrhage, and any decrease in cardiac output would cause entitled CO2 to decrease, indicating hemorrhage in progress. It is an intriguing thought that capnometry-guided fluid resuscitation could avoid delay in initiating fluid resuscitation due to prompt detection of these hemodynamic changes. It could also help to enhance tissue perfusion by adjusting further fluid administration while keeping the blood pressure in appropriate ranges at the same time. This could significantly improve not only the clinical evaluation, but also the fluid administration strategy in patients with uncontrolled hemorrhage. On the other hand, there's a possibility of several of severe under-resuscitation as a potential complication of hypotension fluid resuscitation strategy and hemorrhagic shock. Capnometry could prevent this complication through prompt detection of a decrease in entitled CO2. In order to maintain normal or near normal entitled CO2 values and, uh, and tissue perfusion as well, increased amounts of infused fluids help to overcome this problem. More research is needed to confirm the usefulness of capnometry in decision-making in patients with uncontrolled internal hemorrhage. Conclusion. In the pre-hospital setting, capnometry is an important tool in the diagnosis, monitoring, and prediction of outcome. Even though there are some limitations of entitled CO2 monitoring in critically ill patients, sudden changes in entitled CO2 promptly reflect circulatory and or ventilatory compromise, prompt reaction to acute hemodynamic changes in patients with constant minute ventilation, together with other measures, measures of clinical evaluation, helps in timely detection of patients at risk in the pre-hospital setting. For that reason, capnometry, especially sublingual, can be useful or important in non-invasive monitoring method in patients with uncontrolled internal hemorrhage in the pre-hospital setting, together with the control of fluid resuscitation through indirect control over tissue perfusion, especially in limited fluid resuscitation. This could ultimately help to impede shock progression and further bleeding at the same time.